Good morning. Morning. Man, it's a privilege to stand in front of the best looking people in Saskatoon and outlying areas. And uh, so great to be back. Apparently the associate pastor thought you didn't know who I was, so he pointed me out. Although I will say that there's people that I just met today that have been in church in September at the Rock Church more than I have been in September. So uh, we thank you for being here. Before we preach this morning and carry on, we get to have the privilege of a baby dedication. So want to invite Maya to drag her parents to the altar and uh, get to see this lovely young family. Leah's going to join me up here. Give them a round of applause just for looking so good. And I want to acknowledge, Bruce said I should have all their extended family that they welcome here today parade in front of the camera and wave and introduce themselves. I said, no, Bruce, you shouldn't make your family do that. That could make them feel embarrassed. So we won't make them do that, but we want to acknowledge that they're here today. So thank you. And uh, thank you for sharing Bruce and Rachel with us. They've been a part of the church now for a number of years, and Bruce is the chairman of the board, and they're on the elder team. And we are just grateful and love you guys a lot. And uh, what a gift to have Miss Maya join us just about a year and a half ago. Am I right? 14 months. 14 months. I'm a pastor, not a mathematician, apparently. So. And you're staring at me, aren't you? Yeah, you know what's happening. She, I'm not going to that guy. That's what she's saying. If, you're, if you can't interpret what her face is, she says... Do not make me go to him. I liked him better when he had to wear a mask. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 1, verse 26 is the story of Hannah and uh, when she was at the temple and dedicated her son to the Lord. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshipped the Lord there. That scripture may take on special meaning even for you guys, as we know you specifically asked the Lord for this child and the journey you have gone through to have her and soon another one in your household. And uh, we, are, we are excited to see you want to raise Maya to serve the Lord and to know the Lord and to dedicate her life and all that she is and will be to him. Jesus' parents dedicated him to the Lord. And so we follow these examples in the Bible, knowing that our children are gifts from God and that they are lent to us, but also entrusted to us, that our day-to-day -day lives, our plans and purposes for our family make an, a direct impact and influence on your, our child's children's lives. We can't do it without the Lord's help. And so today that is maybe the biggest thing is that while you dedicate him to, while you dedicate Maya to the Lord, you are also basically invoking the help of the body of Christ. That, that you cannot do this on your own and that you need both God and his people for support. And so we're going to challenge this congregation as well to stand alongside you in a moment. I, uh, as I was praying about this moment, I felt these verses to be shared on behalf for Maya today from Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And this is the verse I specifically want to speak over Maya today. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow this will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. We pray that Maya will be indeed going out in joy and led forth in peace and that her life will make Jesus famous 
and that she will be part of his renown in this world. First, to you parents, Bruce and Rachel, do you pledge today to pursue Jesus and obey him in your own personal relationships? Bruce and Rachel, a healthy, strong, and loving marriage is the best gift you can give your children. Do you pledge to pursue Jesus in your marriage, knowing that your marriage is meant to be a sign and wonder to your family and to the world around you, and to love him in the marriage he has given you? We do. Do you pledge to raise Maya in a home that loves and honors Jesus? Do you pledge to both teach, model, and live a life of love for Jesus and give Maya the earliest opportunity to receive him as her personal Lord and Savior? We do. Do you pledge to raise her within the universal body of Christ in order for her to know her spiritual family and to enjoy all the benefits and responsibilities that comes from being a part of this family? We do. Awesome. Congregation, you're basically adoptive parents. You get to be spiritual mothers and fathers to this little girl. And so do you pledge to love, pray for, and support this family as they follow Jesus through the situations, circumstances, and paths of their life as the Lord leads them? If so, you can answer, we will. Do you pledge to be a spiritual family that models and lives out what it means to be loving followers of Jesus and to be a safe place for this family in the messy work of raising a family? Again, we will. will. A little louder so they don't forget it. Yeah, awesome. Maya, do you want to come to Leah instead of me? (laughs) How would it be? Yeah, yeah, let's go together. All right. Folks, will you pray with us? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this family in Bruce and Rachel and Maya. We thank you that you have brought Bruce and Rachel to know you and to love you and to serve you to come together as man and wife and now as father and mother over Maya. And we pray grace over this family that as they pursue the things of God, that you will fill all gaps, you will bring all knowledge, you will be the giver of all hope, that you will hear and answer their cries and their prayers. Jesus, we pray specifically for Maya, that from a young age her heart would be turned towards the things of God, that she would indeed be a child known to go out in joy and to be walking in your peace and that the giftings and callings that you place on her would flow into her family and to her friends as she grows and matures in the things of God. God, we pray protection over her. May no ill become her. We pray protection over her body, mind, soul, and spirit and that any ill intent of the evil one, that you would put your angels around her and your spirit around her and protect her every day of her life. And God, we pray for a grace and understanding for the things in her life as she's discipled to follow you, where there's questions and, answer, questions and confusions, disappointments. Would you hold her in those times? And would you bring great joy in the midst of celebrations and victories and abundant life? We pray blessing over them. And God, again, as a church body, would you help us to love and support families as they raise children, God? Would you give us the eye to see when it's a struggle? Would you give us the eye and the heart to um, sorrow when there's sorrows and rejoice when there's rejoice and to help carry the burden in this current day and age? May Bruce and Rachel and Maya never feel alone because your presence is with them and because they know the body of Christ is here for them. So we say we love you today and bless them in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. Did everybody get the picture they wanted of this couple up here? God bless. Give them a round of applause. Leah. I believe we have a video announcement coming at this time. Hey, church family. Would you like to work as hard as these ladies do here at the church? Well, we are looking for volunteers to help us with outreach. Um, so we are looking for volunteers for Bible Bill, Shift, and especially C23 on Friday nights. 
We are also looking for cooks. So if you like to cook, we would also be really excited to have you join the team so you can work as hard as these ladies do. So if you would like to serve or be a part of our team, feel free to email info at trcyxe.ca for more information or how you can serve. We would love to have you a part of the team and we hope to hear from you. Anybody guess what they were asking about? <laughs> They're looking for helpers and so we, uh, we trust. Helpers is such a, probably not even the right term to be using. We're looking for co-laborers and people to, to love well. This past week, I had the privilege to pray with two former C23 participants, people, body members. One is about age 28 and one is about age 33. And both of them prayed to rededicate and give their lives to Jesus this week. One young lady was, was, on the, um, was not well and has fought her health for years. And I got the phone call on Sunday night and got to visit and pray. And Monday night, she went home to be with Jesus. And uh, so if you're wondering if wiping a table, sitting at a table, riding along in a van, being at this building more than just Sunday morning makes a difference, I can let you know that there is a very good chance. We don't want to take God out of the equation and say that person would have never accepted Christ if it wasn't for this place. We don't know what God would have done to bring that person to him. But I know that we got the privilege and he used us to bring hope into her life. The story was that the, her Bibles would sit on her windowsill when she was still at home, and she told her mom, Pastor Dallas said that if there's any problems, I should be reading the Bible, so she would read her Bible and look for solutions in the Bible. So um, thank you to everyone who volunteers. It's uh, so great to be able to say the need and what's going on and not have to force or cajole or guilt trip we just want what God is stirring. And if God isn't stirring you to be a part of children and youth outreach ministry, then there's a good chance he's stirring you for something else. And we just want to say thank you for whatever parts you get involved in. And thanks to Glenn for that announcement and heart behind life groups. We want to do community together. We want to gather together. We want to celebrate together. We want to experience all the, we want to experience the glitch of technology together. And the awkward dead space when the pastor is just kind of standing here, not sure what he should do next. We want to talk and visit together. But we really want to do life outside this place together. That when you have a, a difficulty, that you have people that you're connected with. Because we're not asking you to know everybody in this room. We're asking that everybody put themselves in a place as a part of the Rock Church to be known by somebody and to know someone. And the easiest way to do that, you can connect with some people in a gathering like this, but to actually connect with people, you need to be a part of a life group. You need to serve together and do some life together and hear some stories together and pray together. And that's the heart behind it. We did not hire Glenn to say, you have to have a certain such and such percentage in life groups in order to validate your life or have enough, enough uh, so that we pay you enough to provide food for your table. Maybe I should have, Glenn. No. I can't, he's wearing a mask today, so I can't tell his reaction. I'm assuming the best. So it's not about a program that we need to get a certain percentage to in order for us to feel good around here. We're simply stating that we are willing to invest time, energy, prayer to provide ways that make it easy for you guys to connect in order to study the Bible, pray together, listen together, and do some life together. Because even though... You can be on social media, even though you can walk through Walmart with dozens of people all around you, closer than some of us want some days. You can still go through this life alone. You can have Jesus, but he gave us his body in each other so that we can experience, experience life together and, and be Jesus to each other. So jump involved, get involved in those things for sure. Let's do a little survey. Who The survey is, is going to be this. Who here is glad and who is sad that summer is over? Okay, that's going to be the question. Are you glad that summer's over? There's a few handfuls. There are people that are glad summer's over. 
I'm just trying to think what I'll make the altar call be at the end of this service for <clears throat> what you folks need. Who here is sad that summer's over? Everybody else. I get it. There's lots of people who, who will be glad summer is over. There'll be farmers who are glad this drought season is, is over. There's some of you who can't handle the heat or don't like the heat, or you just prefer fall and are glad that summer is over, so fall is here. Me, I'm sad that summer's gone. I, I love the heat. I love the green. I love shorts and sandals. Um, and it just gets a little... I'm not one of those guys that can wear shorts and sandals in the wintertime like I've got some friends that can do. When September 1st, September 1st comes, it's pretty much back to, to pants and shoes again. <clears throat> today, today I want to speak on summer's over, now's what? We have our own thoughts about glad or sad about summer. But how are you feeling about life? This isn't just a discourse about weather and summer's over and how we're going to handle our disappointments and sadness about not being at the beach. There's been, going on, there's been so much going on in our world over these last few months. It's like summer's over. For those of us who love summer, it's this huge anticipation, excitement. It finally gets warm. It finally gets green. It finally gets full permission for sandals all summer long. And it feels like with a few activities, a few trips, a few things, boom, it's gone like that. And we have, we have to readjust. <clears throat> but at this particular season, there's even more to it. There's COVID issues. There's changing situations. Nobody in Saskatchewan wanted or maybe even dreamed that we would have the discussions going on in September that we currently do with the hopes of where things were at in June heading into July. There's choices to be made. There's huge amounts of divisiveness. Just on our holidays, we heard huge stories again of just families being pulled apart, friendships, churches being split apart over the issues of COVID. Unfortunately, the testimony of the church, no matter what, what uh, your opinion is or mix of opinions is, we have not done well in loving each other well in the midst of all the debates and discussions going on. And when we haven't done that well, we basically become the enemy's playground. And what God do, can't use for his good, if we're fighting with each other, the devil says, I'm available. Count me in. I can add injury to insult. So, summer's over. We all thought, we were all hoping that COVID would be way less of an issue. And boom, it's in our face, it's not. We get into August and all of a sudden, as we uh, celebrate and honor the memory of all those who, close to 3,000 people who died in the World Trade Towers in 9-11, that also equates to basically 20 years in Afghanistan. And all of a sudden, if you're like me, there's all this discussion in the news in August about Afghanistan, and we're all pulling out our hair going, really? We've got to leave people there? We've got to leave equipment in the hands of, of those who are going to misuse it? This is not what we all dreamt that that, if you can call a war an investment, or all that time, or all those lives, what it was going to turn out like. Now what? what what's going to happen now? There's weather issues this summer. Droughts, fires. Now the East Coast is being beaten by storms. Economic issues. We have huge debt coming through um, our nation now because of COVID. And in the summer, if you've been paying any attention to it, the last two or three months, there's these huge announcements in Saskatchewan of economic growth and boom in industry, the forestry industry, the canola industry, and the mining industry. Thousands of people are going to be hired over the next few years in Saskatchewan in these jobs. So what do you do, do with that? How do you take all the push and pull? There's political issues. There's so many of these things get politicized to begin with, but now there's also an election, and you have to make a decision of, of who you're going to vote to. If you thought you were going to come through the summer refreshed and get a fresh start, I hope I didn't steal all your joy in the last two and a half minutes. <laughs> if you came to church to be encouraged, give me another 10 minutes, and I'll hope we get there. And if not, please try again next week. 
Welcome to the Rock Church, Messy Church. If you're looking for a really good show, the music can be off one week, or the pastor can be off week, or on a good week, they both can be off at the same time, and it's got to all be about God, because it's not about us. You don't, you basically have had to do nothing this summer, and you can be exhausted heading into the fall, based on everything I just shared with you. You can be disappointed. You can be disillusioned, you can be discouraged, you can be divided, and you could have done nothing of any consequence and be mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausted. Now what do we do with that? Well, the present kingdom of the world is not to be our focus, but rather the kingdom of God. How are the children of God to live in a kingdom of God perspective? How are we supposed to have a not-of-this-world perspective? How are we supposed to still be salt and life while living in this world? Will not be tossed to and fro with the things of this world. That's the question. That's the now what. That's the reality of we live in this world. Are we just going to be sucked into it and be pawns in the play of everything that's going on? Or is there actually something different for those who align themselves and put themselves under God's hand and align with the kingdom of God in how we live out this life? And I desire to convey to you today and hope you receive it that there is something much more and much greater. And it's not necessarily just more abundance. It's not just more victory. But it is about more hope. It is about more peace. It is about possibly more joy in the midst of everything that's going on. It's maybe just more real in regards to how to get through this life. And so we're going to look at the words of Jesus and this that has been a message over the centuries as he spoke to his disciples. Jesus realigns our perspective with his reality in these words. He reminds us how to live in light of such time. And so I've got to move fairly quickly today, but going to look at a bit of this in how to move into the next season. This rest of this month of, of uh, September, we're doing the series Now What? Just in light of this, now what? So my assignment is to remind us of what our focus should be, not preserving the things of the world. They will fall apart. And as we're about to read, Jesus said even the beautiful temple itself would fall apart. So if you have your Bibles with you, and this fall we're going to re-promote, bring your Bible to church this fall. If you haven't been, or bring your phone and, um, and scroll it up. If you've never heard the phrase scroll it up before, it's because I just made it up because I couldn't think of anything else to say. (laughs) And I'm not going to put this, this whole big passage is not going to be on your screen, but encourage you to look at it, Luke 21, verses 1 to 36. I want you to go home and read it and study it. There's a ton, a whole boatload of stuff in here. My goal in reading all 36 verses at once is to overwhelm you. And then we're going to try to simplify it to a couple things. But I want you to just simply get the impression. So if you are not reading this scripture along in your Bible or on your screen, close your eyes and listen to the words and practice the imagination that Jesus has given you as he created you and imagine some of this stuff. I'm actually going to start at verse 5. So Jesus was just in the tabernacle. He just made his remarks about the, the widow giving her two small coins, and they're in, the, in around the temple. Some of his disciples, verse 5, were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. That's like you coming into this Beautifully renovated place. We get lots of people come in, especially those who saw it pre-six years ago to what it is now. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. And me who helped get to be a part of making it happen, as soon as they come in and say, oh, it's so beautiful and complimented. Yeah, don't worry. Those windows are going to be broken and the cement is going to crack again soon. It's kind of like bucket of cold water on his disciples. And so in verse 7, it says, teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? So here's the overflow and overload. He replied, Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprising, do not be afraid. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. 
Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earth, great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Did I hit any of those type of things in my pre-opening comments this morning? But before all of this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and put you in prison. You will be brought before kings and governors all on account of my name. So you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. Everybody say after me. Stand firm and you will win life. Let me just remind us that these words were written two centuries ago. They have applied through all the crises and things like that. So this is not specifically a statement about Afghanistan. It's not specifically a statement about COVID. This is an overall arching theme for those who follow Christ. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be for those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. It does not sound like heaven on earth in those moments. There's stuff going to go on. There's stuff been going on for centuries. The only thing I know, this is not a message trying to prophesy out of the scriptures when all these things take place. It's been my line for 20 years and it's probably going to be the only thing I say for the next 20 years. All I know is that we're one day closer today than we were yesterday for when all of this plays out or how it plays out. There will be signs In the sun, moon, and stars on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. Sound like anything today? People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. People will be faint with terror. They'll be apprehensive. If that hits any part of any of your days in the last few months, you should be reassured that Jesus already knew it was happening. Jesus is already and still is in control. He says this was going to take place. It will constantly bewilder bewilder me why when something happens... The Christian church around the world, but particularly in North America, if something goes wrong, is like, whoa, the sky is falling. Whoa, there's trouble. Whoa, the end of the world is coming. He told us, he told us, he told us. There's nothing to be surprised about. Is it, does it shake us? Yes. Is there evil? Yes. Is there immorality? Yes. But should it knock us off our thrones? Uh, Should it knock God off his throne, is what I should say? And us off our rockers? (laughs) No, it shouldn't. Verse 29, he then told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the leaves and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. If I would ask Jesus to rewrite that scripture for this particular sermon... It would be when the leaves turn color and fall off, you can see for yourselves that summer's over. Now what? Verse 31, even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Listen to this. This is where we will end off in a few moments. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. 
Don't put up your hand. Anybody here caught in carousing? Excessive partying? Anybody caught in excessive drinking and drunk? My guess is if I was to take a survey today, the most hands would go up in regards to the category of the anxieties of life. Isn't it interesting that the drunk and the, the anxious, which can be you and me, are in the same boat? Be careful of your, that, or your hearts will be weighed down. Summer's over, now what? If after listening to everything I opened with, your heart is weighed down, that's because that's what that stuff does. It breeds anxiety, it breeds fear in our lives. Because what do we do with that stuff? Now what? Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. On all of us it's going to come. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Be always on watch. Pray that you can escape. See why I kind of threw it out there to overwhelm you with the, the sense that we are living in these types of times and that they have very real reason why it would evoke anxiety within us? This is the second last teaching that Jesus gave that's recorded in Gospels anyway. Matthew 24 and Mark 13 both contain this teaching. There's a, some slight variations in wording. I encourage you to look that up. John 14 to 16 is actually the last teaching Jesus gave that is, is recorded in the Gospels. But Jesus in this passage is giving a realistic picture and warning about future events, but he's, he's, it's not all bad news in the sense that he's encouraging us that he's with us and that we are to persevere. He says the kingdom of God is going to come. Be watchful for it. But he also brought the kingdom of God with him. And so the kingdom of God is already here within us. We live within it, and it's not all yet fulfilled. Luke 21, 19, I asked you to say after me, stand firm and you will win life. There's other versions that say it differently. New Living Translation says, By standing firm, you will win your souls. The English Standard Version says, By your endurance, you will gain your lives. New King James Version says, By your patience, possess your souls. Anybody remember any verse that seems to have such different flow to it from version to version? Contemporary English version, you will be saved by being faithful to me. The, the commentator Leefield writes and uses and says that there's, this is an, a strong expression that you will gain your lives, you shall be saved. He's basically saying whoever loses his life for the sake of Christ will preserve it. Jesus is saying, is intending this about our spiritual life, not just the earthly life at all. It's about the spiritual life. What do we need to know? We need to know that Jesus has foretold what is going on. We don't. It's not a history book that lines up. The Bible's not a history book that lines up every event to a certain date, but there is a trend and there is an unfolding that goes on. But we need to know that Jesus has foretold this because if you don't remember that this isn't a surprise to Jesus, you could actually live like it is a surprise to Jesus. Guess how you don't want to live? You don't want to live like there's any surprises to God on the throne. You want to know and be assured that this stuff of our world, he knows about. If you live as if this is all there is, you spend your time fighting and grasping for this. This life, this world, this stuff. I have never, I, this, where do I want to start? This summer at camp, beautiful Lake Diefenbaker, it's hot. People are going to the water's edge, getting their feet wet. They're going in the water. They're swimming, missing Nathan this summer, launching kids halfway across Lake Diefenbaker, things like that. I didn't go in and get my feet wet. I don't really like fighting with the wet sand on my toes sandals, all really good excuses. 
but I got thinking as I was preparing this message, maybe there's something deeper to that. I really don't like getting dunked. You know what the problem of a preacher saying any of his preferences in a sermon? <laughs> if I like lemon pies, people are going to bring lemon. If I say I like lemon pies, my office will be full of lemon pies. And if I hate getting dunked, some C23 guy is going to find me in a pool someday and say, I remember that day. Boom. Under the water you go. I've never enjoyed being dunked. It might be the fear of God that my mother placed in me about don't eat before you go swimming for half an hour <laughs> and don't drown. I don't, I, if I get dunked, it's like instant kind of, I can play along for a bit, even with my kids doing the whole swimming and dolphin and going underneath the water. It's like, this is good. Get me above the water. I want my head above the water. When I'm feeling like I don't have air, I'm not thinking about what car I'm driving. I'm not thinking about what the next meal would be. I'm not thinking about what to preach at church. It's like, get me some air. There's nothing else that matters. I want air, and I want it now. And I'm sorry that I flipped you and you hit your head on the edge of the pool. Just stay off of me for a moment. If you think of the world in that type of matter, that the stuff of this world is all that matters, and you just need it, and you need the understanding, and you need, need uh, things to go a certain way for you to be okay, or you want the certain things to be okay, you end up fighting for the wrong things. You end up using up all your energy fighting for that which doesn't last, fighting for that which even a beautiful temple, Jesus said, the stones would be tumbled over on each other. we got to be careful what we're willing to fight for. If you think of the things of the world as all that matters, you could end up fighting for the wrong things. You could end up at the end of your Monopoly board game, or more appropriately, the end of your life board, your game, and not be the winner for what God had for you. You could end up fighting for the wrong things, or you could end up fighting for the right things with the wrong motive. I have pastored this church for a number of years, and I hope that in the end, when the, if there's such a thing as the scales balancing out, that I've done more good than harm. But I know in my desire to keep this a safe place. I've offended people by not having the right attitude at times. I know I've handled people's offense in a way that added to offense rather than made them feel safe or cared for in the midst of their hurt. I can do the right things, but if my motive isn't to love the person and be Jesus in the situation, but I just want to fix the situation and I see them and the situation as an obstacle to be fixed or solved, everything's a nail and I'm a hammer. When some things are an egg, when some things are a beautiful vase, you just end up breaking things, causing damage. Don't fight for the right things with the wrong motive. What does that look like? How could you imagine that? Take whatever subject or situation or picture or person you wish and that you're involved with. Remove love from the equation and imagine forcing your way for what is right and what you would have to do to those people to make it happen. Remove love from the equation, force the issue, and see what happens in your imagination. Love is not simply a tone of voice. It's not we got to be way more mushy around here, but we definitely have to be way more sure that our actions, our words, our actions, our serving come from a place of loving people and loving God and honoring what he wants to do. So now what? If we can't live like that, what needs to happen? We read through those verses, stand firm, endure you will gain your lives by patience possess your souls this is talking about the way you live now and the way you depend on jesus and what you bring into your life is gonna kind of depend how it goes for you this isn't a discussion about can i lose my faith can i not lose my faith this that or the other thing but it is about the fact that if you are god's child then you want to live your life in a way that puts you on a trajectory of trusting and living in the kingdom of God here as well setting yourself up for the future. 
You're living a life that is congruent with now and then. And so we have to stand firm. We have to possess our souls. We have to be faithful. But then he says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Who was he talking to? His disciples. Pay attention, folks. This isn't conviction on those who don't know Jesus. This is conviction on us. We be careful or we will get caught with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. We need to live in a way that we endure with patience and that our hearts are not weighed down by those things. Carousing, that's like distraction. If we just chase the entertainment and the comforts and the things of this world, we can easily become distracted. Nothing to see here, folks. No pain, no trouble, no sorrow. Let's just kill the pain. Or there's drunkenness. First of all, let me, I hope I'm not sounding too harsh today, but let me say this as we get to the close. I'm going to see how many times I can say that today. I think I'm at about four. Five. Thanks, Brad. You and I were never created to hold all the news and weight of the world that you and I are called to hold these days. Today, just this day, I've got to, I've got to hold COVID and how that affects a church. I got to hold the fact that it's the weekend of the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I got to hold the fact that there's women in Afghanistan who are being treated the way they haven't been treated in decades. I got to hold the fact that there's an election coming. I got to hold the fact that there's children back in school. I got to hold the fact that I took my son to college this year and I'm an empty nester in that part of my house. There's stuff going on in India, Australia, Africa, all over the place. And if I Google the right word, word I can know it all right now. And I'm sunk. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and I'm depressed because I don't even know what I have to stand up here to share with you because we're all in the same boat together having to hold all that stuff. So we've got to be very careful what we hold and we have to grieve and acknowledge what's going on because just the very fact that you exist and hear it makes it a part of your life, so you've got to deal with it. Invite Jesus into it so that you don't get weighed down by all of that stuff because that's what drives to drunkenness. Or drug. we just take drug, drunkenness to any type of addiction. You just want to medicate the pain because there's too much pain to know what to do with. I would just rather forget. And if that's you, I get it. That's, there's good reason why you just want to forget. And we want to help if there's something we can do and pray with you and talk with you. But then where I think most of us would be at today is the anxieties of life. There's lots to fix. Let's talk it to death. I don't know what I can do about it, but let's discuss it. And let's discuss what I think and what you think and why that guy's wrong and why that guy's right. And let's just talk it. And while we're at it, let's find the thin edge of the wedge for every possible issue so that we can divide as many people as possible. God forgive us. We are to endure with patience so that our hearts won't be weighed down with the carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. If you are weighed down with the anxieties of life like I'm describing, I have been and I am, it is not, what do I want to say? It is up to us. It is our responsibilities to deal with it with Jesus. The reassurance of Jesus, what he's written, what we read about today, is not that there's nothing going to happen or be going on in our world. It's the fact that he already knows and he wants to be with us. And so, so now what? Well, it's good news. He's with us, and as his children, we get to walk this life out with him. You've all heard of a DUI, driving under the influence, driving while impaired. Well, I want us to live under the influence. Live under the influence of the good news that comes from God, that we don't get weighed down. Live in this world, in the kingdom of God mindset. My mom used to say, you can be so heavenly minded, that, heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. 
We got to live in this world as believers and followers of Christ. So how do we do that? Four quick things with the letter P. First, the presence of Jesus. Practice fellowship and union. How are you enjoying your relationship? This isn't to do more. It's about enjoy what you've got. Love him because he wants to spend time loving on you. Don't try harder. Maybe don't read more scripture. Maybe don't try to pray more. Maybe just in the moments that you are enjoying right now, enjoy it to the utmost. Don't read your Bible and read one chapter and say, I really should have done three and not get anything out of the one. Be present in what's going on and enjoy what he's got for you now. I trust this without a shadow of a doubt that if you will enjoy one chapter, you will eventually get to enjoy three and you'll eventually get to know that sometimes he just wants you to read one verse and hang out on it, on it for a half an hour. That you will just not view the Bible as a tool to have to do something for God, but you're just going to enjoy God speaking to you. So we want to practice the presence of Jesus. Secondly, we want to live in the power of his spirit. We want to be aware that he has given us his spirit to live in this world, and we are not living through all the details that I have described today on our own. But if you will not live aware of the power of his spirit, you most likely will not get to live with that power in your life daily. Don't try harder. Enjoy God more. Depend on him. Recognize when you're going into a situation, you're not on your own. So we've got the presence of Jesus, power of his spirit. We are part of his body. We need to practice community and connection. We don't want to try harder because Glenn already said it best when he quoted Henry Nouwen. The person you love least will be a part of your community. <laughs> and I will take it in the same direction with a different kind of angle. I don't remember who said it. But the reality is, someone might say, you love Jesus as much as you love the least of the one you love in this room. What if, we what if our love for Jesus was equal to the amount of love we gave to the person we liked or loved the least in this room? We need to enjoy what we have, but, but let me just say, you only get big muscles in a gym, apparently. I don't go to them yet. I, I hear you, they work, but I haven't tried. You only get bigger muscles if you put yourself under bigger stress. You have to lift more. If you are comfortable, I'm glad. But if you want to grow in your relationship with God and what he has for you and with each other, you have to put yourself in a stressful, uncomfortable situation because you have your lovely home to go to eventually again. But if you will not stress and stretch your relationships, what you have is as good as it's going to get. And finally, presence of Jesus, power of his spirit, part of his body, and finally, participate as he would in this world. I've been convicted all holidays that we were on that somehow in that verse Jesus says, it said that Jesus went and put, preached the good news to the poor. And I am stuck there. If anybody has an answer on the way out, please tell me. But I'm so stuck in my modern North American world that I don't know how you preach good news to poor people where you don't get them set up in a new house, new apartment, new car, more money in their account. I don't know how to do that piece and still approach people that don't have all of this, that Jesus is good news. But Jesus did it himself. He didn't go around and fix everybody's economic situation. And somehow, our role as people in the kingdom of God in this world is to participate in it as Jesus would. In the world, but not of the world. In the political systems, but not dominated by that. In the economy, not dominated by it. And so, we have to be confident that we can be Jesus in this world without fixing everybody's situation, but Jesus himself is the gift. Jesus himself is the good news. Not just a larger bank account, not just the government you want to get in, not just an end to your current struggle and crisis. Jesus is the good news even in the middle of it. We are to endure to the end and possess our own souls, keep our souls in life with God by not getting drawn down in the midst of all the weight of the world. Now what? In the midst of all that's going on in the world, we live as children of God. We live in this place without being a part of it. Amen? Amen.
going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to close in prayer and release you. And if you want to uh, worship along as they, they sing, you're welcome to. I'm sorry I went longer than I intended today. But you're such a good congregation to preach to. There was even people in the back nodding, going amen. But what do we do with this? Jesus would be saying, you're not alone. Live as the kingdom of God is your current reality, and then let that filter into your world around you. Let me pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? So, Heavenly Father, we come to you as people in need, overcome and overwhelmed by the brokenness of the world, and we only see and hear the big things around the world. You see what goes on in every home. I can't imagine how your heart breaks for this world. I can't imagine how you're just wanting, calling out to us to live as your people in the kingdom of God in this world, that we can bring life and hope, not that just getting by in the things of the world, but that we would be experiencing your life and the people around us would as well. So Jesus, I surrender my anxiety to you, I surrender my desire to be distracted or to medicate my pain away about living in this world. As my favorite time of the year comes to an end in summer, I choose to make the things of you, God, my priority, not my things. And God, I pray for each person in this place that what they needed to hear today from you, what they need for this fall season, what they need to grieve and release and let go, God, there's people here holding heavy burdens for real reasons that we're asking you to meet them in and help them in the midst of situations they don't know what to do. God, we all got opinions we don't know what to do with. We all got opinions that don't change anything in this world. And yet we need to know how to live with that, be surrendered to you, and keep the things of your kingdom as priority. And so we recognize we need you to build that in our life. So help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Talk to some life group leaders, Pastor Glenn. Such an amazing thing. One in a hundred you folks were a part of. People outside this church were a part of. To go way over $100,000. We are so, so grateful for that. So thank you for your faithfulness. And as we get into programs and services and serving, would you make sure that God is leading and guiding you in that and that you do it from a heart of love and we can do it together and we'll have a blast. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed and you're welcome to sing as well.